and welcome to Fulcrum Transmissions, a Star Wars podcast. Thank you for joining us this week. Episodes will typically be uploaded every Monday, and any changes to that schedule will be posted on our Twitter and TikTok at Fulcrum Pod and on Instagram at Fulcrum Podcast. Be sure to follow us on any of those for previews and information about upcoming episodes. Welcome to Fulcrum Transmissions, a Star Wars podcast in which two people who should not be watching Star Wars watch Star Wars. I'm my name is Sage. Um, I use she they pronouns, and you can find me on TikTok and on Twitter at Sage Sindula, like Hera Sindula, but with Sage. Thank you. I had no idea. <laughs> Go, guys. This is not how we can start oh this God. episode. So bad for me right now. The, uh, the okay. The finale was like serious too, so I need to like. <laughs> My name is Claire, my pronouns are she, her, and you can find me on TikTok and on Twitter at Claire Crees. And today we're going to be doing our Andor season finale thoughts, as well as our, like, overall series thoughts. We're blending them into one episode. Um, full disclaimer, today is not a good day for the both of us. Um, for me personally, I really hate Star Wars today, so I'm hoping that talking about Andor is going to make me love Star Wars today. If you want to know why I hate Star Wars today, it's because the cover of the new Cal Kestis book dropped. And if anyone knows me and knows what I'm known for, it's being a trillicitary enthusiast. And I just was reminded by everybody because everyone is so excited for this novel to come out. And I'm over here just like, wow. Imagine literally creating the best fucking character in Star Wars, Trilicidary, and then like brutally murdering her on screen at the end for Cal Custis's character development. <laughs> oh my god. And then I literally cried. I literally cried. And I haven't cried in so long. So um, yeah, that's how I'm feeling about Star Wars today. How are you feeling about Star Wars today? Um, well, I just read Convergence, so I'm feeling not sane about Star Wars and completely unrelated to Andor. Um, we will do a Convergence episode at some point, though, and I will literally, like, be a problem, so. Um, anyways, Andor. Actually, this show is probably one of my favorite Star Wars shows. I think it might be my favorite. Mm, I really am a Rebels fan. I've been, yeah, I've been saying, like, I think that maybe after season two or maybe even after I sit with it for a while it'll be my favorite rebels just has that like nostalgia and like holds a little special place in my heart um and also has Sabine Wren in it so it's hard to top but (laughs) you know I think I could get there especially after another season when I'm like really in it like I think that but other than rebels yeah I think it's my favorite I put okay I actually (laughs) Star Wars the Star Wars Twitter posted like a like a list of all the Star Wars TV shows that have come out and I posted my ranking on my private Twitter because I was too scared to do it on my main account. Yeah we're talking about Andor though which is great. Um, Marva girl rest in peace first of all. Second of all I'm obsessed with her. That little speech that she gave ah! I was like yes fuck fascism. (laughs) Like, I feel like that all the time. But like, when I was watching that, I was like, damn, I'm so patriotic about Star Wars right now. Yeah, fuck the Empire. Anyways, um, 
I really like the show. <laughs> I don't know where to start. Cassian is like arriving back on Ferrix. And so is literally everybody else and their mother is also on Ferrix. But I think like literally the entire cast of the show, except for Mon yeah. Moth and her family were on Ferrix in this episode. They really oh, were. Everyone was there. Slay. So true of them. I love when everyone goes to Ferrix together. Um, <laughs> but yeah, they're planning for Marvel's funeral. Basically, the way that funerals work on Ferrix is they like take the person's remains and turn them into bricks and like put them in the walls, which so- I just love that. I like because I feel like a lot of Star Wars planets are more just like an environment rather than like a community or a culture like like there's so many planets that are like this is a snow planet or like a forest planet and I'm like okay great but like what's it actually like mm-hmm. um but Ferex like literally from the beginning has been so much about like the people and their culture and like the community that they've formed um among themselves and, like, literally when Cassian comes back, like, everyone is so supportive. Of, well, not everyone, but uh, most people are really supportive of him and, like, trying to kind of keep him safe and not let the Imperials find him. And I just, I just love that. And I love that Ferrix as a planet is brand new to the show, but already feels more lived in and more, like, well-developed than probably, like, 90% of other Star Wars planets, if we're being real. And you're so right for saying that so true um yeah I really I see the thing is that the show and I think I've said it before on this podcast is that the show doesn't feel like it's about Cassian like not only about Cassian and about more of him as a symbol and like what he means to the rebellion which I don't necessarily think is a bad thing right um and I don't think that I you know remember (laughs) remember when we were covering the Kenobi show <laughs> and everyone was like this show's not even about about Obi-Wan Kenobi I just wish the show was about Obi-Wan Kenobi that's what I was promised shout out to the guy I went on a hinge date with who said that to me on our first date I was like girl you do not know who you're talking to <laughs> anyways um I I think that I really enjoy the the structure of the shows recently and how they have of Star Wars shows recently of how they have been um not necessarily about one single person but about what their impact is on the larger galaxy because what Star Wars is is basically a place to explore certain things in a in an environment similar but not a carbon copy of our own right this show is literally about rebelling against fascism Oh my gosh, doesn't that sound a little bit similar to, I don't know, Earth? Um, but like, but like for real, for real talk, I think that like this Star Wars is the best place to explore things like that. And I that's why I really enjoy and I've enjoyed this show um so far, is because yeah, Cassian is like the center of it, right? And but all of these people, all of this network around him, these characters are equally as important, equally as interesting, um, and have a part to play in it. And I in in the overall narrative and the overall just like messages that Star Wars is sending, has been sending since literally the 80s or the 70s. I don't know when the first Star Wars movie came out. I wasn't born. Um <laughs> sorry um 
but yeah I don't know I was going somewhere with this and I don't remember where but no I definitely think that like I um I I agree that I think that like Star Wars is at its best when it's not focused on one single character because like it's never about one individual like ever like literally ever even like going all the way back to the original trilogy like yeah Luke is the main character but like one Star Wars likes to do like trios of main characters which I like a lot but then like even beyond that it's not just about him it's about like the galaxy and like the state of things at any given moment in like star wars history and also like and i know i'm not the only one but like a lot of times for me side characters are like more interesting than the main character and i'm not saying like in the case of andor because i think that cassian as a character is like super interesting but like in other star wars media that i will not say because i will literally get dragged on the internet I think that I should care a lot more about the supporting characters and not the main character um this is not a call out of any Star Wars character who has had their has had has been a leading role in something it's just a general (laughs) statement but no but I think that this show really benefits from the fact that Cassian himself is also very interesting but then you surround him with like 10 other characters who are equally if not more interesting and like that is what makes the show so good is because we're jumping around from character to character but I'm never like now we got to do this character storyline before we get back to the good right. stuff there's no like weak link in the story I think that each character's storyline is very intentional and very um and very like 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 intriguing to me to watch I'm never not wanting to watch any of them there's no one that I'm like I wish this character just wouldn't be in it because I think that like each character has a very specific role and even some of the ones we are sort of like oh I'm not really sure how this person fits into like the larger narrative I also have faith that like going into season two they're really gonna like nail that home and like in it that a lot of that also comes from hearing the actors talk about their characters and like their sureness and where their characters journeys are going is like one nice to hear when you know that a person really cares about the character they're inhabiting but also like is reassuring of the fact that like the creative team of this show and all the actors have a very clear vision and each character's arc has been meticulously planned out and how it fits into the larger narrative and so like once we reach the end of the series going into Rogue One it's going to be like oh okay yeah everything fit together and like now we have the end game which is Rogue One obviously. I really like the the fact that we know that all these people who are going to be in this who are in the show are probably going to be dead <laughs> by the end of by the end of the series um including Cassian who is our main character. Um anyways, you were you were saying that you didn't think that any of the characters were like unnecessary. I don't either. I think that every everyone everyone in this show with me and I was like quickly. Well, I'm about to give my unpopular opinion of the week. So (laughs) I don't know what it is. I just am afraid. You know who it is. Maybe you don't. I don't know. I lose track of who I've talked about this with. Um I think that everybody in the show gave what they were supposed to give. However, I fucking hate Cyril Karn with every fiber of my being. Every time he was on screen, I was disgusted. Anyways, 
I know a lot of people really enjoy his character. However, I was so like, I think that he is a character who, because of this fan reception, because he's like one of the favorites, at least in the circles of Twitter and the internet that I've been a part of while the show has been going on, people love him. And I'm kind of like, mm, okay, interesting. Um, and I'm afraid that because of the fan reception to his character, that he's going to get an ending that he ne- doesn't necessarily deserve. Um, in my opinion, I think that he should just have nothing as an ending. I really do. I think that he's because the his character serves as somebody who is starts in a position of power um, in a system that oppresses people, right? He's a cop. Um, and then he gets thrown out of that, but goes back to an imperial job, right? Whatever he was doing in that like octagon thing, whatever, working for the empire. And his whole goal was to try to get back with with other systems within the empire to get Cassian. And and it's just kind of like like his his character is meant to be this character that you're like wow, you're so pathetic. Like, you're so pathetic for doing this, right? And he is. Um, And I think that really hit, right? Mm, What if at the end of the show, (laughs) I just thought that Dedra should have killed him. And then here's why I think that, okay? It's not because I'm like, yeah, girl boss Dedra. Okay, I did not think that. But I do think that because, remember we are talking last episode when, or last episode that we covered Andor, when we were like, oh like he's a creep and he literally has been followed like stalking her he's been stalking her um and he for some reason thinks that she owes him something because he helped her I guess like girl be so honest with yourself you're literally not in the right so then he like saves her life or whatever at the end of this episode and she's like I guess I should thank you (sighs) shut up girl shut up you should have killed him is what you should have done it's weird that he was there and I think if she wasn't like so frazzled by like just almost dying she would have been like wait you followed me to Ferrix? that's nuts like that is creepy stalker behavior and she should have killed him and I also think that because like his character is so pathetic like as a person as a human being he how his character arc should have ended is literally like oh I have been trying so hard to do like the right thing quote unquote because that's what he's doing in his head and then to be killed by the person he's trying to like get to help him and also trying to impress because he's weird um would have been such a great ending because it shows oh, you are trying so hard to be a part of the empire, to serve the empire, to serve these systems of oppression and to oppress other people. They don't care about you. Like the empire does not care about Cyril Karn at all. Um, And I hope that whatever ending to his character arc, um, whatever that ending is, also portrays that. Um, I don't want him to have any kind of redemption or any kind of like hero sacrifice moment. 
which Star Wars loves to do. And I'm like, can we get a new ending here? Can we get a new refreshing ending? Anyways, um, that was my little Cyril Karn rant for the day. Here are my thoughts on him. I think that what I would like to see happen with his character next season is he's now saved Deirdre's life and he's going to be like, oh my God, I literally saved her life. And now she's going to like get me a job in the ISB and like, it's going to be so great. And then it doesn't happen. Like, I think that in his mind, he's like, I just needed to make some big, like heroic gesture. And then they're going to like, let me back in and I'm going to work in the ISB and like work my way up and we're going to catch Cassie and Andor and like all that stuff. But like, realistically, that's not what's going to happen for him. They're just going to be like, thanks for saving her move along and he's gonna like like he's gonna lose it again um that's what I would like I agree I don't really want him to have like a redemption or like a join the rebellion moment I also okay I love like a well done imperial defector story like I think this is known about me and I'm like I just don't think that Andor needs that because we've kind of established our main imperial characters and it's like Dedra and Cyril, who, like, neither of them should be getting a redemption arc, and the guy who's literally a spy. And then, like, the higher-ups at the ISB, who are obviously not going to be defecting anytime soon. Um, and, so, and, you know, they could always introduce a new Imperial character in Season 2, but I feel like they're doing these kind of long arcs for these characters that span both seasons. So to introduce an Imperial at the beginning of Season 2 who's going to defect by the end feels, like, weird within the structure of this show. So I really don't think that we need that here. And I know that, like, I'm not the only one who loves those storylines, and I know that a lot of people would want that from Andor. And at the beginning of the series, I was like, yeah, I would appreciate that. But where we're at now, I don't think it would make sense to add something like that in going into season two. And so I kind of hope they just don't. No, exactly. Like, the bottom line is, like, the Empire is bad. OMG could never have thought, right? No, like it's so clear, especially in this show. And I think that a character who's like, oh my gosh, I've just realized now that the Empire is bad. Okay, you're kind of a few steps behind, you know? And I don't think the audience needs that. Um, I also love Imperial Defector stories. Oh my gosh. Did you read the description for the new Fallen Order book? <sighs> Not yet, no. Well, they're... <laughs> Well, guess what? There isn't it. Oh, no. An Imperial Defector. <laughs> wait, wait, it gets better. It's a Stormtrooper. Okay. But wait, it gets better. It's a woman Stormtrooper. <laughs> I'm literally reading this description and I'm like, she's going to die. She's going to die. Anyways, you know what I love about Andor? That the women in this show weren't brutally murdered. <gasps> Could you imagine? Yeah. Like, you can make this show star wars the rest of star wars is like living proof that you can like actually not brutalize women on the screen and it'll still get views also who would have thought like the entire plot of the last episode revolved around like honoring a woman who died who was an important figure in the community Mm -hmm. that slays star wars like i don't yeah because so often it's like woman dies violently at the end of a movie or a book or a show or whatever 
an animated mm-hmm. short um and then is like ne- is never spoken of again and a lot of that okay. yes is like a product of like there is a lot of different media types within the star wars universe but it is actually possible to give a female character the like respect and honor on screen that they deserve after they've died like it's actually possible yeah. it's been done it has been done and i it's not just like like there are other pieces of star wars media that have done it and i'm not gonna like list them um but i think Andor did a really good job of it because like yeah this last episode is about like the people of ferrick starting to fight back and like cassian returning home and everyone hunting him but it also was like majority of it takes place during the planning for and during Marva's funeral in which like the entire town gathers to pay their respects to her and to hear her like like final thoughts and and like literally every single person was there for that event and I think that like that is such a good way to yes she is she's an older character she kind of like needed to die you know like as bad as that is like like story-wise it kind of needed to happen especially knowing where we end up at Rogue One um but the amount of like care that was given into like how can we play out that storyline in a way that is going to give her character like the respect that and like care and attention that we need to be giving to that character especially when there are so many characters and I don't like I, I this is kind of like what I said earlier but I don't feel like there's a single one that like slipped through the cracks in terms of like oh we're just gonna like not really care about this character right now like every single character was given like care and attention to the way they were written through like consistently throughout the entire show and that is really great to see specifically when it comes to female characters and characters of color and queer characters which I can actually say so true true. oh my god I love them so much anyway um so yeah, it was just it, like it was really great to see, and it was really great to see a female character like being honored literally on screen by her entire community, right? And a character who wasn't murdered at that—that that is literally like she died because she was very old. Okay, that happens. You know, there's also there's also something so just like great about watching a show. And there's a large cast of women in this show. Yes, there's a lot of men too. It's just a large cast in general. But there are women in the show, which is super great. And I think that this last episode in particular, um, it did things really well. Uh, we have Vel and Cinta, um, love love gay people. First of all, yeah. I'm sorry. Love did her. you even ask Andor yesterday? No, I didn't. I'm gonna send you one. Okay. Well, while you're doing that, but they weren't killed. Oh, can you believe it? They didn't kill the gays. Oh my gosh. Anyways, um, they had substantial and impactful parts um in this in the plot of of the show, but also of the finale. Um, they were also gay on like on screen. Anyways, uh, and then we have um Dedra. We talked about she didn't die, which okay, she is the villain. Like, she's a girl boss but like derogatory kind of way right she's not a good person and we know that um but she is still a woman and I do think it is important no matter how horrible or how good women are is to you know like not brutalize them on screen um because you know violence against women 
it's a it's a serious issue um and it starts in media anyways so she wasn't killed um she what she did kind of get the shit beat out of her um but i thought that was deserved a little bit sorry if that's probably and it was also by the people that she was like actively oppressing not exactly a person who needed their villain arc to start you know right it it actually has like meaning for her to get her shit rocked by a bunch of people that she's been like murdering and exactly things too and then we have bix okay so have to point this out because we are a, a star wars podcast that covers the women's representation um in the media cassian saving bix that is not sexist. Why were people on Twitter being like, this is so no, sexist? No, because why were people calling her a damsel in distress? Literally. That's offensive. Anyways. Yeah. Continue. Yeah. No, I saw that on Twitter when I, after I watched the episode, I like opened it up and someone was like, eh, this is so sexist. Like, why does she have to be the damsel in distress? Why does like Cassian save her? Whatever. Um. Do we know, does the general public know that after you get, like, tortured for a very long time, you can't, like, just walk out by yourself? Do we know that? Like, is that not common knowledge? No, someone had to go and get her. Can we, like, just be so, like, honest and recall that Cassian and Bix are, like, best friends, have known each other forever, have literally, like been helping each other since before we knew them and it's kind of Cassian's fault she was there in the first place like Cassian needed to save her are you kidding that's not sexist that's just them being besties also he's not saving her to like be a hero he's saving her because he loves her and like she like knows that he has the ability to like, it's not because he's being like, oh, my God, I need to, like, swoop in and save this poor woman. Like, it is literally not that at all. And if the tables were turned, she would do the exact same thing for him. Exactly. Yeah, I did also see that. And I was like, guys, we can't be doing this because then when people try to call out actual sexism in Star Wars, it's not going to have any, like, substantial meaning. If you're just like, this is sexist. A man helped a woman out. Um. What would you would you like to never see men helping women out in media? Because I really think that I would not like to see that actually. I, I, I think that, that I think that men helping women should be highlighted actually because like what if um they did that in real life? Sorry, wouldn't that be so like wouldn't the world be such a better place if if men, men just help like, women not for their own personal gain? Or Mm -hmm. not because they thought they were going to, like, get a job or, like, go out with them. (laughs) Cyril Karn. So true. So true. Like, why was Cyril helping Dedra? No, like, let's be so... I'll give you a hint. It's not because... It's not because he actually gives a shit about her. (laughs) That's not it. He needs her. That's the... That's the damsel. Also, the whole, like, I'm here to save you idea of him when he literally was there because of Cassian because he flopped so hard that he spends his whole life trying to catch Cassian and or so that, like, maybe he'll get a job. job. Yeah, so let's think before we tweet sometimes, guys. Anyways, yeah. Welcome to Fulcrum Transmissions, a 
podcast where we talk about how women just get killed in Star Wars consistently. Um, Trilla Siduri, I think about you every day. I'm so sad right now. <laughs> I've been thinking about her this whole time. I'm just so sad about her. Anyways, back to Andor. Anyway, um, read The High Republic where women don't get killed regularly. So true. Everyone should read Convergence. That book's late. Anyway, sorry. I can't keep bringing it up because I know we're going to do an episode on it and I'm like literally going to have to be like silenced. Maybe I'll let you be the Zoom host so that you can just mute me. (laughs) Everyone get so excited for our Convergence episode because it's going to be fun. We already have guests lined up for it. Um, Oh my god, wait, this is your question. Yeah. (laughs) I just clicked on the video. (laughs) Oh. Oh my gosh, so cute. I looked at my phone and it was like, Star Wars, quote, tweeted your tweet. And I was like, what? Is he famous? Okay, anyway, I forgot what we were talking about. Andor, though. Andor is so good. You know what we should talk about for the rest of the episode? Trilla Sidari in Star Wars literally forgets that she exists. Imagine, imagine being like, yeah, let's create this like Fallen Order franchise, right? And then they create a game and it's fucking amazing and it's so great and then at the very end they kill her right they kill Trillicidary and then and then they were like oh while we're releasing this game let's also have like a comic miniseries and then they make six issues of a comic miniseries about Seer except Trill is not a part of it so she's in like a few panels and she's always masked whatever so that doesn't even count, right? And then they're like, okay, we're, this game took off, right? So now we're going to make a second game called Jedi Survivor, but it's going to take place after the fact, five years after the fact. And Trilla is obviously not going to be in it because she's dead, but we're going to put the fucking fifth brother in the book leading up to Jedi Survivor. Fifth brother, famously the worst Inquisitor, too the worst inquisitor and a man okay anyways and like, then imagine like seven sister was literally right there she's right there she's so hot and sexy anyways Alyssa Wong is literally thirsting over Axel Greylark right now on Twitter they're just like me for real I'm so sorry for how much I've been tweeting about him on the podcast I just like have no idea what you guys are talking about <laughs> like too much on my personal account so I had to start putting things on the podcast account instead look at the publishing that willow also gets to have like like a major queer relationship and once again the creators are like yeah we received no pushback from like anyone so i'm like hmm, that's so interesting about some other projects going on right now isn't that yeah isn't it it's really weird right i'm like so you're telling me john favreau wouldn't receive any pushback if he asked to make bo-katan a lesbian because i would like that very much do we have more to say about Andor? Yeah, we I feel like we're done for like 20 minutes. <laughs> um, let's see, what else can we oh my god, I know what we need to talk about. We need to talk about yeah. how Grosso is literally the hottest man to ever live. You oh, are so god. correct in saying that. Oh, okay, good. I was so scared that you were gonna disagree and I was gonna have to leave. You like covered your face and I couldn't tell if it was a like so true or a like because he's so sensitive. Like, he's such a sensitive and loving guy. Yeah, I was like, mm, let me in there. Like, that needs to be me immediately. Uh-huh. Immediately. I, I need to be hugged like that so bad. Like, And then, also, let's talk about him literally beating stormtroopers over the head with Mar- Marta? Marva's. Not Marta. 
<laughs> we are in high republic brain i'm so sorry guys did you see the part where marta Rowe was in andor um she was in the background of my mister no but when he literally was like hitting them over the head with marva's brick i was like yeah so true this is what's so true wanted. oh my this god, is exactly what she would have wanted and then oh my god i can't even do it anyway what do you have to say about him um i have to say that when i die cremate me and put me in a brick and then use that brick to hit fascists over the head please that's what i'm <laughs> anyway no seriously brasso i don't know i think there's an i think that we've been talking about women's representation in this show i want to talk about that men's representation in the show because it is phenomenal there is like one man i think okay actually actually now that i now that i think about it all the men that portray toxic masculinity on the screen in this show wait for it are all imperial (gasps) and isn't that crazy how that works and all of the men who have Mm, I don't even want to say more feminine qualities because that feels like a disservice, but I think that portray their masculinity in a more gentle way are all in the rebellion. Isn't that so interesting? Oh my god, I'm literally... Anyways, um, because no, I think that there's a there was very much a... This show could have gone a very different way with Cassian's character, especially Cassian's character. I feel like this show was has been very dark at some times, right? But I feel like they could have made Cassian into this like cold, ruthless killer who like doesn't really care about anybody but like the people around him, and is just kind of like fuck the empire. And where he is, everything that he does he does for his community and for the people that he loves and none of it is ever overly dramatized it's not overly brutal in any way um and it's very it's rooted in this like emotion that he has for community and i think that was very surprising actually kind of surprising because they could have very very easily got a different way with his character because this is four whole years before we see him in Rogue One and they could have done that with a lot of the men in this series especially like someone like Brasso oh my gosh he could have very easily turned into a character who was like ruthless and brutal and like and just didn't care about like the people you know I think there's a there's a there's a difference between protecting your community and being like over over obsessive with your community right and sometimes I feel like the way that masculinity is portrayed in media when it comes to protecting those around you is very like I will do anything for my community and that includes brutally murdering people I'm talking about Joel Miller from The Last of Us I'm so sorry um but it but is that's literally it you know like that's literally like how we see most men in media portrayed is like, oh, I'm very protective, but it's not a protection that, it's not the same protection that women feel towards their communities. 
and towards the people that they love, right? It's very, very different. Um, because when we think about it, who else in Star Wars um, in particular was trying to be protective of the person that they love? I'll give you a hint. His name is Anakin Skywalker. Um, but how did he go about that? Did he um, literally like brutally murder everyone in his community on accident? Like he literally did, like killed everyone and then um, became like the lapdog of the emperor. I just think that that is um, very interesting how, you know, the diversity of masculinity in the show was portrayed. Yeah, I have thoughts. I have a lot of thoughts. I completely agree. I think uh, there's rightfully so a lot of talk about like how women are being portrayed in the show because it's so much better than most other Star Wars content. But I think that um, healthy portrayals of women and like non- misogynistic media like has to extend to the men as well and I think that this show is doing a really good job with that and like it goes back to what we were talking about with like Cassian and Bix where it's like it's not like oh look this strong man comes in and rescues this suffering woman like it was not that at all and I think that that kind of energy extends to the other male characters in the show and like again that's not to say there are not men that are terrible in this show because you know, it is based on real life. And there are certainly a lot of men who are terrible. Yeah, there's a lot of them. Um, There's so many examples, like, and and in many different ways, too, like, there are a lot of, there are a lot of really well written men in this show. And they're all so different. Like, like, you think back in in the Aldani arc, we had like, Nemec and Gorn and like, several other people Skeen, and all these people are very, very different. But like, are very real portrayals of different men in the world um and then you know we have like we have the people in the the Narkina 5 arc like we have people like Kino and Melshi and their rest of their little group and again like a complete like completely different types of characters than what we had in the Aldani arc and then like we go back to Ferrex and it's the same situation um also, okay, speaking of male character in this, in this show, I was going to say men, but he's literally a boy. Can we please talk about Wilman Pack, 16-year-old child threw a bomb at those stormtroopers? Oh my god, I was standing ovation. I love that so kid so true. much, and I feel for him so much because his life is literally terrible right now, but he was like, you know what? I'm going to fight back, actually, and I'm going to honor Marva by fighting the people that she like wanted to fight and oh my god okay this is sort of side topic but the line in her little speech that was like if I could go back and do it again I would wake up sooner man that hit um but no I think that he is such an icon and again like when when the stormtroopers were coming after him and Brasso was like fighting them away from him and they like took him with them and got him on the ship and they're like taking him to safety because, like, he literally has, like, no surviving act, well, and so he, like, literally has no one left, and instead of just, like, escaping and not thinking about him, they're like, oh, no, we're gonna take him with us and look out for him, like, he's family, because they, like, this whole kind of community of people really are family, and, like, we talk a lot about found family in Star Wars, and this show definitely, like, had elements of it from the very beginning, but then, like, at the end, when we get on this ship, and it's, like, Wilman, Brasso, Bix, 
And I was like, yes, this is the moment. Like, this is what I mean when I say that I love found family in Star Wars. It's like that. It's a group of people who literally have nothing, but they have each other and they will literally risk anything to protect their their people. And oh my God, that moment got me. And I know you all have thoughts about this, but also when when that one Imperial guy like pushed B2 and immediately all the people of Ferrix were fighting him, I was like, they literally are like like any member of their community, including Marva's little droid who everyone loves, they are literally like up in arms to protect him. And like that is something so special and something that I think we need so much more of, especially in Star Wars. And I just like, I love to see it. It was so good. I can't talk too much about B2 right now because I'll literally start crying. I'm, I'm in a very emotional state at the moment. Um, the fact that I had the pleasure of watching a show where a droid was, oh my gosh, I literally have tears coming out of my eyes. <laughs> the fact that I had the pleasure of watching a show where a droid was treated as an equal member of a community as all the people were, I literally so like, I can't, I can't do it. I can't talk about it. Um, I will say Brasso literally didn't hit the guy until he knocked B2 over. And when he knocked B2 over, I literally was like, I'm going to kill somebody. Was... Anyways, um, something else. The fact that B2 was like probably the most important person other than Cassian in Marva's life. And the community of Ferrix recognized that. And was like, yeah, B2 is going to lead this like funeral march. And yes, it was purposeful because like he obviously was the one to like show Marva's little hologram message thing, but also because he was literally like her best friend. I can't, I should meet myself. There was also, okay, I was like tearing up at the end when they're all on the ship and Cassian is like, I can't come with you guys yet. And B2 was like, but I never get to see you. And so I just love droids so much. And this show did so this show was meant for me actually. They literally were like, let's get let's make a droid that Sage will like. And they made me too. And they gave him a a voice that spoke in English. <laughs> like in a in a language that people can understand. And then they made him. <laughs> talk and have agency throughout the whole show and then he was like at the end he was like and Cassian will come back and oh my god they really did that to me I'm crying so hard it's just not but there's a there's a droid in convergence that you're gonna like Thank God, because High Republic droids love the High Republic, but yeah, Zoraida really barely any droids. Here's the introduction of like a therapy droid, and I was like, so true. We need those. For I need one. High Republic specifically, like they made one comment in like Out of the Shadows about like Jedi therapy, and I was like, no, we need to keep that up. Actually, mm-hmm. <laughs> I love the idea of like a. Okay, anyway, I won't talk about convergence. I can't do it, but no. Um, 
yeah that god i'm just thinking about the whole scene at the end where they're all on the ship and then cassie's like oh, i have to go okay can't wait for them to all reunite and live happily forever and i know what you're thinking they don't because rogue one literally exists um okay i don't care in my mind they actually all live happily ever after so here's the thing where b2 is just not in rogue one i know <laughs> so close to you know what else isn't in rogue one literally any of those people the okay thing is, now, hold, thing. hold on this is so unrelated but we haven't talked about nemec yet oh, about his manifesto I miss him every single day. I don't, okay, here's the thing. I don't really cry when I watch, like, television and movies. Like, I'm just not, like, a crier. But the one scene of this show that, like, actually tears were coming out of my eyes was... Was when Nemec died? That's so funny, because I did not cry. You were, like, I'm literally sobbing, and I was, like, oh, my gosh, if Claire is crying, I'm going to be crying so hard. And then I watched it, and I was, like, oh, okay. It was literally so sad because he was just like he was just a little guy. Yeah. Like, clearly he was just a guy. But no. Okay, first of all, this is me being an idiot because sometimes I forget how Star Wars works. But when Cassian pulled out that little like tape recorder type thing with the manifesto, I was like, why have I been picturing like a piece of paper with handwriting on it? No, that's what I literally was thinking about it too. I thought it was a notebook. And I, I thought it was a notebook. Right, because people, like, don't handwrite things in Star Wars, like, rarely. Yeah. Like, canonically, it rarely happens. That was really embarrassing for me. No, but, I thought the same thing. It's mm, It was so good. It was really a lot. And the way that they cut it with, like, scenes of the literal people on Ferrix who were about to stage an uprising. Yeah. So good. And I miss him every day. Um... I just, I'm glad, like you were talking earlier about Ferrix, I'm glad that we got to see a planet that tradition and culture and community were, like, the forefront of why they were there, right? Like, it wasn't just, like, oh, this planet is, like, a city where everyone lives and blah, blah, blah. Like, right, it was, like, actually important to the show, and I thought that was really interesting that they decided to do that. Um, but also like very necessary love to see more of that we've seen so many planets in star wars recently like on screen especially with like the mandalorian because dinjarin literally goes to a planet like every single day do not get me started on the planets in the mandalorian the number of planets in that show that i care about is zero is zero and they've been to like three times as many as any other star wars project and okay I do just have to point it out, the only planet that, like, actually had, a, there's two planets in The Mandalorian Seasons 1 and 2 that I can, like, completely remember as having some kind of community slash culture, and that was the farm, the farm planet, and the um, shipyard, boatyard planet with where the frog lady got dropped off. And guess who both of those episodes were directed by? Wow, that's crazy. Howard. Let me redact my statement and say that I cared about the farm planet. I liked them. Mm-hmm. Um, but Isn't was- it so interesting how in The Mandalorian, both the episodes that were directed by Bryce Dallas Howard were the ones that had the most heart? Hmm, it's crazy. 
Also, okay, I'm just saying that now that we're actually going to Mandalore in the Mandalorian, a planet that like famously has the most like complex culture of any probably any other Star Wars planet. Yeah. I know they're gonna find a way to mess it up. And I'm like, how are you gonna mess up Mandalore? They're gonna like villainize Satine. Watch it happen. Watch it happen. I'll literally I have Bo-Katan like slandering Satine. I know no. it. I know it's gonna happen. Don't even say that. I'm just being real. My expectations for her character literally are in the, they're like below the ground. So they really don't have to do much to exceed them. And yet they will not. My expectation is literally that she is evil the entire time and then dies. That's literally what's going to happen. Like if we could just do better than that, I will be. Yeah. Yeah. Today when the the release date was dropped and everyone was like oh my god I was like I was just like why is that so close to the last of us I was like imagine if I was excited okay no offense to Star Wars but anything that comes out after like June of 2023 no that's being generous April of 2023 I I can't care I don't even know anything that's coming out after the Mandalorian (laughs) because I'm not gonna care about it because my back half of 2023 is occupied with Ballad, and I can't care about anything else, actually. So, what else I have to say? Cinta and Val, literally by everything, I love, I love that their relationship is so complicated, because they are truly the first real, like, on-screen queer romance in Star Wars. Sorry, Rise of Skywalker lesbians, um, not to discredit what you did for the community, but... You didn't do anything for the community because you kissed in the background of one scene. Um, but Cinta and Bella have like an actual relation. Oh my God, so true. Sage put a cowboy hat on B2. That's why I'm getting distracted. Um, but no, the fact that they're like, they that you could you could easily expect Star Wars to be like, okay, we're gonna put a two, two women in a relationship on screen together and they're just gonna have a perfect romance and be perfect and then that will be good representation. But no, representation that's actually good is representation like them where their relationship is not perfect and neither of them is perfect. And there are like actual layers to the way that they communicate with each other. Like literally the dynamic of like two rebels who are in a relationship together, but one of them would put the rebellion before anything else. And one of them, I do believe that Vel would put the like rebellion before her personal feelings too, but not at in any way to the like length that Cinta would um and Cinta is so 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 committed to the cause that sometimes she like can't give the attention that their relationship needs and like Val kind of is the other way that like sometimes she gets so caught up in their relationship that she starts to lose sight of like what they're actually doing here and it's very much like Cinta was like I told you that the fight will always have to come first which is already like super interesting for a relationship in Star Wars but the fact that it's two women so true I love having queer people in Star Wars it feels so great now we can't go back okay thank you so much for listening to Fulcrum Transmissions please feel free to send us questions you can dm them to us on twitter instagram or tiktok if you enjoy our podcast please leave us a rating on apple Podcasts and spotify we'd really appreciate it once again thank you for listening and we hope you enjoyed this episode